one of the the biggest struggles in the high school was uh, mainly I've always been working. Um, so I bought my own car when I was 14 years old. So I was, at 12, I was already working in the summertime, saving up for that car and uh, bought it when I was 14. It needed an engine. It was an old car. And by the time I was 16, it, I saved up the money to put a new engine in it. So, you know, that was a big part of, of school was always working full time all summer long. And uh, really, if I wanted to buy something, it was always on me to buy it. So I think a um, big part of that was, you know, even growing up, we never owned a house. So it was always renting a house. So it was like, um, you know, loving parents that always worked really hard, but just scratched to get by. So it didn't take long to know that if I wanted it, I had to fight for it and, and get it myself. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you for joining us on the show and really appreciate you listening. Don't forget to share this show with your friends if you like what you hear, because today we've got Brent Miller. Brent Miller is a guy I met in Mexico. He had never been on a plane. He'd never been out of the state of Pennsylvania. And for 17 years, we've done something he's never done before. And it's been a wonderful way to build a relationship. Today, Brent is going to talk about defining excellence for yourself. Everybody's got a different definition. Why not right now figure out what matters, what's your passion, what your values are, what your priorities are, what your vision is, and define excellence for yourself. He's going to talk about it not being the system, but the right people that create success in a business. If you're moving into that CEO role one day, and he's going to talk about front-loading your hiring so you can create a family-type experience in your company. Brett runs Home Genius Exteriors. You can find him at Home Genius Exteriors on LinkedIn or Facebook. He's a wonderful person. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Brett Miller, it's been a long time, and it's always a pleasure to see you. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Thank you for the show. Yeah. Well, as you know, I always start off the same way. I'd love to hear what your definition of excellence is. I think uh, a big part of excellence really has to do with the individual person and what's important to them. You know, some people care more about family, money, friendship you know, the cars that they drive, uh, or even just how they, they live their life as a whole, um, or church or God. So I think the most important part is to really figure out what is, um, what excellence means to that person. For me personally, it's all been about family and the relationship with the employees that I've had to stick with a company that they love working for and stay with you for a long time. So uh, I think it, uh, uh it, that's the most important part. So family ties, whether that's in business or in your real family life, is how you define excellence. So you can be doing a bunch of different things, whatever that is, but none of that matters as long as at the end of the day, you're 
retaining and strengthening your relationships, both in work and family in your community. Agreed. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said that because I asked that question to a lot of people. Maybe there's been 50 people I've interviewed for the show and everyone has a different definition of excellence, but no one's ever said you got to define it for yourself. So you go back to the 20-year-old or 23-year-old or 25-year-old Brett Miller, who's out there listening to this right now. How do you determine what it means for yourself to be excellent? How do you figure out your own personal definition so you can chase it down? Uh, I, I just think it starts when you think about what you want in life and, and what you want to gather out of it. For me personally, it was always having a family and kids and, and being that support uh, structure for the family. Then the backside is what is your passion for work and how are you going to accomplish that? What job, you know, do you want to work? You know, what, what do you want to do to have your income? How do you want to, you know, most importantly, support or, or back up what that, that goal is? So, Yeah, so all, all my life, all I ever wanted to be was a parent. Ever since I was a little kid, I remember I was 12 years old and there was some kid down the street that I would kind of hang out with in like a mentoring role. And my parents were like, hey, dude, you got to get some friends your own age. And I had friends my own age, but I just kind of had this thing. I've always loved kids. Um, I always wanted to be a parent. I think I'm a pretty darn good business person. I might be an excellent board member or an excellent chairman of the board. I might be an excellent community member. But my friends give me crap because I don't give myself the excellent score in the uh, family environment, which is really all that mattered to me. And I'm still working on it. And uh, maybe I beat myself up a bit. But how, how do you explain being excellent in one area, but maybe not being excellent in another area as, as it pertains to your definition of excellence? I think it depends on time, though, too. Timing. There's certain things you don't want to miss out on um, in life, is it? You know, there, there's certain times to push and work really, really hard and maybe miss out on some of the family things that are important, which was in my 20s and, you know, early 20s, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, knowing what the goal is in the end. And, you know, and then there's certain times where you start realizing that, you know, there's a maybe a certain month in the summertime that is a time to maybe work a little bit less. So it's, it's all about grinding at the right time of the year and the right time in life to create that opportunity for yourself. Well, and that goes back to what you said. You got to define it for yourself. You define it for yourself. You track it. I'm a very aware of that important focus of mine. And, you know, I have an interaction with my kids. It doesn't go well. I try it again the next time. Uh, so if you, if you've defined it and you've realized what your definition of excellence is, what really matters to you in life, then you can kind of monitor yourself as you progress and you're more likely to hit it. All right, well, we're going to get into what you do, but before we do that, we should get into why we're so close, because it's kind of a special story, and it's actually a story of excellence in becoming friends. So Brett and I met in Cancun, Mexico. How many years ago was that? It would have been 2004. 2004. 18, 17, 17 years. 17 years ago. And so I'm in Cancun and Brent's in Cancun and we're there on a work trip. And Brent had just been an intern in the college works business. And we're in Cancun and I don't know where we were, but we're having a drink and you and I are talking and you tell me you had never been on a plane before. And I went, what, dude, you've never been on a plane before. And then you started listing it off. 
I've never been on a plane. I've never been out of Pennsylvania. I've never been out of the country. And there was some other nevers as well. And I was just blown away. So at that point in time, we made a deal. And we thought that the deal would probably be a one-year or two-year deal because you know, CollegeWorks people come in as a manager and then they're a vet manager, then they're a district manager, then they go off and do things on their own. And we hope to see them at cool weddings like the Sprong wedding I was at yesterday. But you've been here for a long time. What was the deal we made? The deal from the beginning was that you told me that every time we would see each other and hang out, which was always just on a potential company trip, maybe a couple times a year, that you would make it your goal to help me experience something that I've never experienced in life before. Whatever it might be, that was the deal. And uh, we had some pretty fun times. Uh, I think a lot of them, some of my, my most memorable uh, times I think about was the first time I ever went crowd surfing, which was kind of funny. You're just asking, have you ever done that before? And I'm pretty sure you just threw me up on top of a crowd, you know, and it would just, it went on for a long, long time, you know, and it was one of those things that I definitely looked forward to, you know, at that point, when I was an intern with college works, I was 19, 20 years old. So that was a long time ago, you know, so there was, I looked forward to those experiences when we would meet up and see each other on those trips. And uh, I would probably tell uh, some, uh, some other stories, but uh, maybe that'd be for another, another meeting. Well, uh, so is this the first podcast you've ever been on? Uh, a couple. Oh, a couple, it doesn't maybe. count. Yeah. No, it doesn't count. So you kind of alluded to it. The deal had to change. So mm-hmm. it was every time we saw each other, we'd have to do something that you'd never done before. But we would go on a trip and see each other like every day. So we were having to do something new every day. And what happened was we ran out of new things. So we amended the deal and said, instead of every time we see each other, it was every time we were together. So if we're together for five days, we would do one thing. And then thank goodness I haven't seen you for a while because it's going to be harder, but I am going to see you in the upcoming future. So we're going to have to think of something, but we could talk about it. The crowd surfing was cool, but it wasn't crowd surfing at a concert. We were just brainstorming on what have you not done. And it was actually at a nightclub that doesn't really have crowd surfing. And we had to actually get everybody organized because crowd surfing is awesome. Yeah, it was. And then we had, uh, we helped uh, uh, some people in need in a major way. And I remember we spent a lot of time driving around Las Vegas, um, trying to find someone that we could really impact. And then I remember you maintained your relationship with that person for quite a while afterwards. And we must have been out there till four in the morning. I, I remember we sat in the, we, we were driving around and the taxi sat there for about four and a half hours waiting for us to make the decision. I, I, I don't know why, but that night it was, it had to be the right person. So we were uh, it was, and it was. super particular of the right person that we were going to help and figure out a way to help out there. So, yeah. And I do remember one time where I just knew I had to do one. So I licked your ear and it was the first time a man had ever licked your ear. And the last, we make sure everybody, everybody <laughs> listening got, knows that. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Um, but we're going to be doing some more things for the first time. And it's been a long time uh, that we've been friends. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to know you pretty well and uh, really get to enjoy the inspirational family values and that care and concern. Back to your definition of excellence, that care and concern for people that you treat like family. I feel like I'm part of your family. So thank you very much for 14 years of awesomeness. I think it was 17. I think it was 17, but yeah. <laughs> 17 years of awesome. I can't, I can't count. I, I'm not an accountant. Yeah. 
but let's go back in your life a little bit. You've had an interesting life. Now you're running a big business. Uh, you've got Home Genius Exteriors doing home improvement on the East Coast, um, fixing people's houses. You're running a big sales force, big marketing force, and building a business from the ground up. Why don't you talk to us about you're, you're an executive in the construction industry. For people that want to one day be a high-level executive in any business, what's kind of the day-to-day that you go through that you would be doing in any business and then maybe the day-to-day in the construction business? I think that, uh, I mean, uh, uh, mainly I'll, I'll start with my day-to-day more than anything. So a lot of what I do right now is we we started Home Genius Exteriors maybe two and a half years ago. So we pretty much are specializing in, in roof gutters, siding, um, windows, uh, and a lot of different types of carpentry needs. The idea of starting that, though, was to start it with the right people. You know, actually, some of my best employees that have been with me since the beginning were also working with me with College Works back in the day many years ago. And those relationships built with those those guys and girls and, and wanting to help um, build a business together with us um, afterwards. And a lot of my day-to-day right now, I am actively recruiting and interviewing and managing the entire sales force. So I run the Pittsburgh branch for Home Genius Exteriors. I run not only the sales force for uh, the division in Pittsburgh as the vice president out there, but also, you know, help manage the production, the install department, um, you know, and the canvas. We have a full canvassing department, canvassing manager, uh, and an office out in, in Pittsburgh. So we went from Really, last year was our first year in Pittsburgh. We launched Pittsburgh right before COVID. And, you know, last year was an an amazing, crazy first year for anyone looking to start a business. You have to start it the right way. And it's all about starting things, um, you know, not just be smooth, but high, high customer service, high ratings, profitability of a business. I mean, that first year is the utmost important. And it's all about starting with the right people. So last year, I had a a guy named Daryl Faulkner that was my my right-hand man with College Works years ago that we decided to launch Pittsburgh together for Home Genius. And uh, it was it was really just him and I last year. It was crazy. I remember we got our office and we're putting our, we're literally setting the office up and me and him, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a father of four kids for anyone just know, know and married, been married for 12 years. I have four, four kids, eight, six, four, and a, and a seven month old right now. And last year, we're starting this business in Pittsburgh. We're launching the new office. And Daryl and I are literally, you know, at the office at 11 o'clock at night, putting desks together and doing whatever it takes to get this office set for this training of canvassers and sales, new salespeople coming in. With last year, which would be, you know, right at COVID, I mean, crazy time to start a business, you know, as everything was shut down and, and everything. We sold about $1.8 million of installs um, just between really Daryl and I, me and one guy, and installed uh, around $1.4 million of that just year one. But the biggest difference was year two, was having everything that we grew and learned. Um, Home Genius as a whole was in four cities. We went from you know a, a new company to a, a Owens Corning Platinum company, which takes most companies five to six years to do. We did it in year two. Um, there's only a handful in all of Pittsburgh um, out of hundreds of roofers that are platinum roofers. We're, we're already one of those in just year two. But the big growth this this year from 2021 was we we recruited very hard for a couple months to hire the right people. 
And my interview process was focused on, mainly it was focused on everyone I interviewed. I blatantly told them in the interview, I'm hiring individuals that I'm going to build my empire around. That's what I'm doing. I'm not hiring you to do sales if I don't think that you're someone I want to work with for the next 10 to 15 years. I'm not interested in having you part of our team. I'm not interested in hiring you for the division out here, which made us do a lot more interviews and screen a lot harder. And, and that still is the, the truth. So, you know, I only hired technically it, it, out of all the interviews and finding the right salespeople coming into this year. I only hired eight salespeople. That was it. And that would have been in February. So five months ago and, and really in five months, you know, out of the seven that were hired and trained, five are active and we're already uh, pushing $4.5 million of sales. And it's only July right now for this year. Um, so I think it still goes back to just the overall relationship and the growth and finding the right people, taking care of your people to where every one of them, that's all we talk about is, is where, how are we going to get from, you know, right now we're estimated on around seven to seven and a half million this year as year two in Pittsburgh for just the construction industry. How do we get to 20 next year? You know, and it's a lot of it's, I think the guys are excited more than I am, you know, my, my workers of, of how do they help me grow to that? How do we take, how do we take over Pittsburgh in this market? So I know that was kind of a, a very long answer, but it's, it's a, you know, there's a lot of information in that. Well, yeah, and it ties right into your definition. So you've got to define excellence for yourself first, and you define it as uh, familial type relationships with the people you're working with. So if you're listening and you want to be an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter if you're going to be in the home improvement industry, you're going to be in the fitness industry, you're going to be in the aerospace industry. It's kind of the same program. So it starts with, first of all, you do whatever it takes. So Brent has been working a long time. He knows that if he needs to put in a hundred hour week, he can put in a hundred hour week. He knows if he needs to pick up the trash, he can pick up the trash. If he needs to do the sales calls, he can do that. You need to have the willingness to do whatever it takes to follow your entrepreneurial dream. Second thing, we call it front loading. I know you call it front loading, front loading the effort. You don't go out there and take the easy wins, pick the low hanging fruit. Um, especially when it comes to recruiting, you put the time in because if you don't recruit the right people and you don't paint that vision you're talking about, then you have to start all over again and start all over again. So you front load your effort in the right areas if you're a successful entrepreneur to make it so in the long run, it's less time and less struggle. In the short run, it's way more time and way more struggle. And if we go to the skill set, you know, in recruiting, you're talking a lot about communication. You're talking about not so much sales skills, but leadership skills. You're talking about painting a vision. Those skills have to be developed if you're going to recruit the right people because the right people don't work with somebody that does, isn't able to paint the vision. I think also culture and, and culture, but also what that person wants. You know, the guys and girls that I would interview, I, I know I would throw their world off because I would ask them questions that they didn't get in other interviews. Just, you know, what, what, where do you see yourself in not just 10 years, but, you know, why, do you, why are you in this trade? Why do you want to work at all? You know, why, why not sit at home and get unemployment? You know, why, what's it all for? So a lot of it was trying to really see, do they align with what my beliefs are and what I want to build, to build the business to where I, I want it to go. 
And that does that doesn't work for everybody. That works for you because that's who you are. So if you want to recruit the best people and you want to have people that you're going to build a, your dream around and build your empire around, and you want to have people that are going to stick around for a long time, you have to care. You have to listen. And if you're not a caring person and, you, and you're just selfish, which you know there are people out there like that, not very many that are successful in business, but I've seen it work. You're just going to have to work a little bit harder because people are going to come and go and come and go. But if you are a caring person, you show that through listening. You show that through focusing on their vision and their dreams and how it applies to you. But you've got a bunch of other skills. You're leading, you're managing, super organized to go from zero to seven to 20 million that fast. You've got to be super organized, very diligent. Um, and I'm sure that the relationships extend beyond you know, yourself and your coworkers to your customers, to the subcontractors that you use. There's a whole aura of respect. And I guess what it comes down to, what you do every day is you live your values through the different tasks that you have to undertake. And those values are kind of rooted in this family and this respect and this concern, right? Yep. That sounds right. So let's go back in time. You've had an interesting life. What were you like in high school? What was life like? Where'd you see yourself going? In high school, I, I always had good grades in high school. I played a lot of different sports. I know that in high school, it was, I was uh, always happy, which seems weird, but I remember I was voted nicest guy in two different high schools. So I think um, one of the, the biggest struggles in the high school was uh, mainly I've always been working. Um, so I uh, bought my own car when I was 14 years old. So I was, at 12, I was already working in the summertime, saving up for that car and uh, bought it when I was 14. It needed an engine. It was an old car. And by the time I was 16, it I saved up the money to put a new engine in it. So you know, that was a big part of, of school was always working full time all summer long. And uh, really, if I wanted to buy something, it was always on me to buy it. So I think a um, big part of that was, you know, even growing up, we never owned a house. So it was always renting a house. So it was like, um, you know, loving parents that always worked really hard, but just scratched to get by. So it didn't take long to know that if I wanted it, I had to fight for it and, and get it myself. So. And uh, your high school, were you in sports? Were you getting awesome grades? W what, did, what did you do to get yourself into Penn State? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, I, I did have really good grades. Um, I played football, basketball, and baseball. So three-sport athlete. So it was always nonstop. A lot of the times I would work on the weekends during school, you know, when I was 16, 17, 18, and the full time in the summers the whole time. Um, so pretty much the second school was out. It was immediately full-time Penn state. I, my, uh, my mother went to Penn state as the first, I'm the first to ever graduate from college between both sides of my family. My mother went to Penn state, um, but was raising us trying to take a class or two at a time for, I don't, I mean, it was at this point, 12 years, she was just taking a class here and there to try to graduate. So it was, uh, it was kind of cool when I, so I always knew I wanted to go into Penn state cause that's where she was always passionate about growing up. When I got into Penn state, I think the most the most interesting part was my mother was taking classes at Penn state at main campus the same time I was at Penn state. So then we were having a little battle on who was going to graduate first, which was kind of funny, you know, between mother and son. But even as soon as I read into Penn state, I immediately was working full-time during school. Uh, I was delivering pizza during college uh, and I commuted. My mother lived about half an hour from Penn state. So 
I also wasn't living in the dorms. I was driving 30 minutes up and back every day just to drive back. And then a lot of times deliver pizza till 12 or one o'clock, 12 o'clock at night or one in the morning and was still paying for, you know, gas and cell phone and any, any expenses really um, while in school. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. So you're hardworking in high school. You've got a diverse group of activities and interests. And I kind of think of you as someone that invests their time. And you look at your college life, and you're driving an hour each day, you're working, you're going to school, you're studying. So did time become something of a limited resource for you early? And a lot of people go, oh, I can't do any of that stuff. I don't have enough time. How did you manage your time and learn to invest it wisely as opposed to waste it when it becomes such a limited resource? Well, well, the, fi- the funny thing is you can still say wasted. It might be the bad thing. But I, I actually, at the end of that first year or the first semester, I felt like I wasn't entirely enjoying college like I should be, but I still had to work and I needed to get the grades in college to graduate. So my second semester in college, on top of the school and the full-time job, I thought maybe joining a fraternity was the right move. So I pledged at a fraternity at Penn State at main campus, joined a fraternity made it through the pledge process, became a brother, uh, a fraternity called Tau Epsilon Phi. And I was a, a major contributor to the fraternity the entire uh, time in college. So I still always worked. So I, I think a big part of that was I, I just had to pick and choose which event was the important event I was going to go to because I had to work to pay bills. I had to work to eat, to, you know, to call it that. But at the same time, I didn't want to miss out on college. So it was, a, it, was, it was nonstop for sure. I wouldn't have changed it. I don't think I slept a lot for quite a few years. And it was sophomore year that I got hired to be part of the College Works Painting Program. So I was still in the fraternity, still working, delivering pizza full-time, the whole deal. And, you know, I actually chose to go to the second training as, March, or as Matt would know, which was in March, compared to the first training, because I needed to just save up a little bit more money to have in the bank, knowing that I was going to work less hours during the spring delivering pizza. So I had to switch my schedule up where I was still delivering pizza a couple afternoons a week, but then could work on the weekends for college works. So I knew that I was going to be cutting about probably 30 to 40% of my income at that time to learn, you know, start learning how to do sales and running a, you know, a little house painting company with the college works program uh, on the weekends. That's impossible, Brent. Nobody could do that. 
<laughs> you know, I, I look back, I don't know if I could still, I don't know if I could do it again. No, but that was, uh, hmm. you know, it was, you, you do what you have to do, right? There was no option. It was either, it was either not do an internship or not be part of a fraternity that was a, an amazing brotherhood um, or not eat, right? And none of that was an option. So I was going to do it all. Yeah, oftentimes the busiest people, the people with the most commitments are the most productive in every arena because they have to prioritize. They have to sort things out and they become more impactful because there's no wasted time. They're not just showing up anymore. They're thriving. You're not just going to go to every party and sit in the corner and show up late. You're showing up first. You got the best outfit on. You're ready to own the thing. You got to be out of there by one because you got to wake up in the morning and you're going to be more productive at the party. You're going to be better off at work because you got limited time. You're going to study. You're not going to have your phone going off. You're not going to have the TV going. You're focused. Now you have, you have two hours to cram. Two hours to study for this test and I'm going to get everything out of that two hours. <laughs> so through that incredible busyness and that incredible workload, you probably learned a lot of focus. You learned how to really be productive, which is carried through your whole life. I think the most important thing was that you, obviously there's always doubts. Um, I, I learned that I can do it, right? Like at, at that mm. point, you know, you can do whatever you want. Like, and, and that's the biggest excuse. And I'm, I'm a huge outdoor fanatic as, as Matt has known, hunt, hunting, archery hunting, um, you know, turkey hunting. Like I didn't miss out on that either. I mean, you just, I, I, I didn't lose the passion that I had at that point. You just have to figure out a way to, you know, get more out of limited time. You learned you can do it, which is what a wonderful thing to learn. You put enough pressure on yourself and you realize I can do that. Put more pressure on yourself. I can do that. Put more pressure on yourself. Fail. Realize you're not going to allow yourself to fail. Try again. I can do that. And it's interesting that, um, you know, your values have carried through the whole time. You were the nicest guy in high school because you care because you're interested, because you're passionate about others' dreams. Then you go to college, you're living your values again independently. You've got your vision and your priorities, which carried all the way to the new business where you've got your care, you've got your concern. You're a nice guy because you care about other people. And that's kind of how you built your college life and your high school life and your first business life. And now your second business life, constantly living your values always aware of what your vision is and true to yourself of bringing everybody into that family-like environment that you create. Good for you, Brett Miller. He's nodding his head. He's supposed to speak instead of nodding his head because this is a recorded audio <laughs> podcast. But Brett is, is uh, shaking his head. Well, congratulations on that. You're always inspiring to me. So you go through uh, high school. You get into a great college. You work harder than anybody else in college. Get more done than anybody else in college. Prove that you can do it. You go start one business. Then you start another business. And uh, now you're um, you know, sitting in your home office that you built by hand on your ranch out there in Pennsylvania. How has where you are now surprised you? What's different than what you expected? You know, I, I've thought about this particular question. And I don't know how to answer it outside of uh, it's not surprising. <laughs> That it's just it's all it's just what's always been in my head is what I was gonna do. And it, it didn't matter what went wrong in life or bumps in the road or sicknesses or deaths. I mean, you know, the 
you know, that that's a whole nother book, you know, somebody could probably write about um, going through some struggles and hard times um, and financial ups and downs. But that that was my goal from day one. And that's all I ever thought of was how am I going to, you know, own land on my own, own a house, support my family and mainly be able to do whatever I want to do, you know? Um, so it's, I don't want to make that sound too over the top, but it's not, it's exactly where I wanted to be at this point. Uh, it's exactly what I was dreaming and hoping to be at this point. And I wouldn't change anything, even, even all the bad stuff. I, I wouldn't change anything from the past, 17, 18 years at all. So, Yeah, the bad stuff is really bad at the time. And some of the stuff you mentioned is really, really bad at the time. But it all makes you stronger, even the worst thing that could ever happen. And some of it's debilitating at the time. Some of it, you, you, you find yourself depressed in your room, unable to get out of bed. And if you're in that situation, I always pause on this sort of thing. If you're in that situation, it's important you get help. Brett and I know a lot of people that have been in that situation. My own wife was in that situation. And it's important that you go and get help. Um, there's medication. There's medicine. But many of us will experience that for a brief period of time. Some people, it extends because of their body chemistry. It's important that you get help. But you know that it will end one day. Once, once you've gotten the help or if you're lucky enough to um, get there yourself, you know that it'll end one day. And then when it ends... And maybe a year later, or a few years later, you look back and there's something that you got out of that that made you stronger. Like it's like scar tissue is stronger than regular skin tissue. Doesn't look as good. You didn't like getting it, but you got something out of it, right? Yep. Yep. I agree. So you're not surprised as to um, where you've ended up in life because, again, you've always had this vision. And you've been working towards this vision. Now, your vision wasn't super specific. You didn't say, I'm going to have uh, the highest rated uh, customer service construction business on the East Coast. You didn't say, I'm going to have a construction company. You said, I want to own land. I want to own a house. I want to provide for my family. And I want freedom. So it could look many different ways. Yeah, it could have it went in a lot of different angles, too. It absolutely could have went lots of different directions. But it's about the momentum in that direction. And if you're listening right now, maybe you want to be a lawyer. But maybe you're not going to be a great lawyer because it's not right for you. Or maybe you want to be a doctor. Or maybe you want to be an engineer. It's not about the specific thing that you're doing as in a job. It's about what are your values? Where do you see yourself? What's important to you? And for Brent, that freedom was really important to you. And a lot of times entrepreneurs have a lot of freedom or an executive has a lot of freedom. You wanted to be in a place where you could call the shots and you knew that you had to take these steps to get there and you just constantly focused on those steps to get there. Not really concerned about which staircase you were on just as long as you were stepping up every single day. I think a big part of that too is for anyone that's listening that's a little bit younger is I, I went into college engineering and uh, that was what I did my first full year was engineering classes, pre-engineering in that direction. Still don't know why. I think it's just one of those things sounded good at the time. And then after I, I did the internship with CollegeWorks, I was the, the, the number two intern in the state. I wish I could say it was number one. That uh, is always a kicker. But it was number two that year, but I, but I loved it. I didn't know I was good at sales. I didn't know that I was going to be good at managing or working with the employees or customers. It just, it just all, I worked my tail off, but it just, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was. I, I did it as an internship. That was it. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn and I can make 
summer before I worked my butt off 60 hours a week all summer long. And I made like four grand and I'm thinking, man, uh, you know, I can help pay some school off and pay some bills off here. So that was the original idea of, of working with college works from the beginning. And then I switched the degree after I did that, I went back to my advisor at the end of sophomore year. And at that point really was like, what degree can I have that I can graduate the fastest? Like I, I just had so much confidence. Like I, pretty much felt like I could do whatever I wanted to do, go out and start a business, start a company. You know, obviously I didn't have the knowledge yet, but I had the confidence maybe too much than I should have at 20 years old. And I literally went to my advisor and I sat down and I said, I'm going to graduate college. What degree? Let's look at all the degrees. What can I transfer into right now that I will graduate the fastest? And she kind of looked at me and I was crazy. I'm like, no, seriously, what degree? Because I'm paying for school too. I had all the loans. I was paying for college on my own with the loans, with school. I, I never had room and board all four years. So I commuted from home the first year. I had just tuition. Year two, three, four, I had an apartment. I paid for out of pocket. I only had tuition. So I was constantly trying to figure out a way to keep tuition down. And I'm sitting there going, how do I graduate? I need to graduate. I'm going to get the degree from Penn State right here at main campus. But I need to get out and start working. I need to get out in the world. And the, the degree I ended up chosen was it's a communications arts and science. I switched to a communication degree. And it was legitimately, I didn't lose a single credit, single class. And I went full force. How do I graduate? And then the next, technically the next two years, as I was a district manager with College Works, I did sizable businesses enough working and mentoring my new students that by the time I graduated college, I only, I only owed for two semesters. So I was, I was also paying thousands and thousands of dollars out of pocket as I was going to school working that within six months after graduation, I had no college loans. I had no grants either. I sure as heck didn't have scholarships. I wasn't smart enough for that. I'll make that clear for anybody listening. You know, I, I think I had like $1,000 scholarship total at a, at a big campus like that it doesn't do anything. And it was like, that was my first step in the right, in the focus was I need to pay off college as fast as humanly possible and put myself in a position that I can start a company or start a business. And you're not, you know, making bad decisions because you work for a job you don't want to do because you owe money. Wow. Did you just say that you paid off all of your student loans within two years? No, within six months. Within six months. Wow. That's amazing. Well, that kind of leads to my last question. You've kind of answered this in many different ways. What sacrifices did you make in your young life that you'll never regret? Or what's the biggest sacrifice that other people might look at it as a sacrifice? You look at it as an investment that you'll never regret. I think the if I went back even to high school, I mean, my, my parents were split up. So I, li I lived with my mother growing up and I never really was around my father much. And I think one of the hardest first decisions I made that get, went against what everyone wanted me to do, like everyone told me to do, was at the end of 10th grade, I moved school districts about two hours away from my mother's house to my father's house. And I had a great relationship with both of them. Um, so there was nothing bad in the time. It was just, a decision I made that before I graduated and went to college, I was going to go get to know my father for a while. And that was tough. I mean, you imagine a high school kid. You just think anyone that's younger just knows you're leaving all of your friends. Every friend you have is telling you, why would you do this? Why would you move? We need you on the sports team. Aren't you going to graduate high school with us? Like it was a major decision and it was me against the world. At least that's how it felt at that time. 
but that was the right choice. That was the right decision to, I wanted to just spend some time in, you know, with my father. So then going back to college, I got to go back up to Penn state, which is where my mother lived, which was nice. Cause then I, I was up there commuting and going there. I think the next huge decision and Matt will get a kick out of this one was I have one semester left of school, one semester left to graduate. And I had a decision. Do I want to recruit a team of interns to work for me at, 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 at Penn state? Or do I want to take a semester off when I have one semester to graduate and spend the entire summer out in Philadelphia, which was about three hours away from Penn State, recruit my entire team out there, which was away from everyone I know, but was better financially and in a much better territory and, and more kids and students to recruit from. Now going back to family and once again saying, I've made this crazy decision. I know I only have one semester to graduate, but I'm going to take a semester off of college. And I'm going to go sleep on a couch for four months out in Philadelphia, which is what I ended up doing and had an amazing year that year, went back to school in the spring, which the decision to do that was also driving to Philadelphia three and a half hours up and back every weekend, that whole next spring semester to work with my interns, um, which was a very big decision too. Once I graduated, once I, so then I finished my, my graduation, finished that year as a district manager, and then and the next year moved out to Pittsburgh, which is still about three hours from home, um, to be a full-time uh, general manager for College Works that year, which I didn't have any family or friends out there, too. So just lots of these type of major decisions. The year after that was 2009, which was when the recession hit, which was just horrendous and really tough in the economy and, and housing markets. And at that point, I had the opportunity to be a vice president with College Works and lots of states to work with. And I remember going back to my mother. She always thought I was just crazy because I would ask her for advice and I would tell her what I was thinking. She would tell me what I should do and what she was thinking. And I would always do exactly what I had in mind in the first place. So I never really listened to anybody. But that 2009 year, I moved out to Columbus, Ohio and started up a new division for College Works, which, you know, once again was 2009. Anyone saying, I'm going to go start a new company in 2009, everyone thought you were just the stupidest person in the world that you didn't, you know, you couldn't do it. And uh, that was kind of the beginning of the, the vice president years um, that, you know, within what, a couple of years, we were doing a couple of couple million dollars a year and, and 60, 70 interns working for me and, and, and having a lot of fun. So that ties it all together. You moved, moved to your dad, sacrificed your re relationship with your friends and, you know, those friend relationships in high school and college, Many of them disappear, but the one with your dad doesn't. So you invested time into your relationships, the way you define excellence. You invested time into your future vision, which is how you define excellence, by moving and following your passion. And you stayed true to yourself. So Brent, I'm super glad that you made those sacrifices. I'm super excited uh, that we've known each other for so long. I'm looking forward to seeing you in New Orleans. Uh, you don't even know I'm coming. And I know I've been to New Orleans with you before, but I bet you never fed a hot dog to an alligator. And I bet no. you never shot a machine gun. Have you shot a machine gun? Uh, I have shot a machine gun, but I've definitely never, sh never fed a hot dog to an alligator. So next time I see you, <laughs> me and you are feeding hot dogs to alligators in New Orleans. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And thank you for living on the edge of excellence. Thank you very much, Matt. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. 
If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.